Welcome to the Dhamma Podcast. The audio recording that follows was recorded during S.N. Goenka's tour of North America in 2002, known as the Meditation Now Tour. This podcast will be updated monthly, with additional archives from S.N. Goenka's talks and questions and answer sessions, as well as other speakers discussing aspects of Vipassana meditation as taught by S.N. Goenka. This podcast is sponsored by Pariyati, a nonprofit publisher that offers written, audio, and video content and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information regarding Pariyati, please go to www.pariyati.org. That is www.pariyati.org. For more information on Vipassana meditation, as taught by S. Goenka, including a schedule of courses offered throughout the world, please see www.dhamma.org. That is www.dhamma.org. Friends, we have all assembled here this evening to understand what is Dhamma and what is Vipassana. Dhamma means the universal law of nature. Dhamma means truth. And Vipassana is a technique which helps us to live a Dhamma life. We need some physical exercises to keep the body healthy, strong, sound. Similarly, we need some mental exercises to keep the mind healthy, sound and strong. My country, India, ancient India, gave two gifts to the mankind. One a physical exercise and other a mental exercise. Both are unique. Unique in the sense that they are not hooked to any particular religion. The physical exercise of yoga Anybody can practice, everyone can practice, belonging to this religion or that religion or no religion, he or she will get the same result. Similarly, this mental exercise of Vipassana is not hooked to any particular religion. People belonging to this religion or that religion or no religion, when they practice, they get the same result, good result. Now, in a few words, I would like to explain what Vipassana is. 
the personalized process of self realization truth realization realization of the truths about oneself within oneself by oneself at the experiential level all the sages and saints and seers of the past have advised us know thyself know thyself how to know myself i know myself i am going ka what else or the scripture says so so accept it nothing doing what really was meant to experience the truth about yourself within yourself what is this physical structure to which one keeps on saying i i mine mine and what is this mental structure to which one keeps on saying i mine i mine and not only that develops tremendous amount of attachment towards it this identification with attachment generates nothing but misery and what is something which is beyond mind and matter not to accept because the scripture says so not to accept because your teacher says so you have to experience experience the truth about this physical structure the mental structure the interconnection of these two how the mind keeps on influencing the body how the body keeps on influencing the mind and because one remains ignorant as to what is happening deep inside this interaction starts generating one defilement or the other and this defilement keeps on multiplying multiplying becomes so strong it overpowers us and one is overpowered by any defilement whatever action one performs physical or vocal is unwholesome one suffers oneself one experiences misery for oneself and one generates misery for others also therefore one has to realize what is this phenomenon mind matter mind matter how it is working not to quench the inquisitiveness about mind might matter there are so many books on physiology and psychology you can read that and understand this is mind this is matter doesn't work you have to experience and the enlightened one the buddha found out a way how to explore the truths within oneself
at the experiential level. He used this technique for his own liberation, for his own enlightenment. Then out of infinite compassion, he started distributing to suffering humanity. Large number of people started practicing it. And the same result, those who practice properly, they start coming out of misery. The technique takes us to the depth of the mind, to the root level of the mind, where misery gets generated, where mental defilements get generated, and they start multiplying, multiplying. There are many methods, many techniques by which one can calm down the mind at the surface level. One can purify the mind at the surface level, even slightly deeper level. But one remains ignorant of what is happening at the root level. This was a great discovery of the enlightened person. For me, Buddha was a super scientist. He never founded any religion. People made a religion out of his teaching. He never taught any religion. A scientist discovered so many realities, main reality, how one becomes miserable and how one can come out of misery in a very scientific way systematic way, rational way, no blind faith, no blind belief. Experience yourself and then only accept the truth. So he gives a technique, first to sharpen the mind, make it razor sharp, because you have to make a very deep surgical operation of the mind to go to the root level, sharpen the mind. For that, there are many techniques. You require some object or the other to get the mind concentrated. He gave this wonderful object of our own desperation, which is always with us. From the time one has taken birth, Till the time one passes away, one keeps on breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out, asleep or awakened, sitting or standing, lying or walking, eating or drinking, in every position, in every posture, one keeps on breathing in, breathing out. Start with that. You have to explore the reality about yourself. So you are asked to sit comfortably, comfortably, in any posture which keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch. Not necessarily this posture or that posture, lotus posture or half lotus posture. If someone can sit, go ahead, nothing wrong. Otherwise, any posture that keeps you comfortable 
for longer periods at a stretch is a good posture for you. Try to keep your back and your neck straight. Keep your eyes gently closed, mouth gently closed. And see what reality is now. What reality is manifesting itself pertaining to yourself, what you call myself, the mind, the body. The first reality that one experiences is the breath coming in, the breath going out. Start with that. Just observe, do nothing. The whole process is process of observation, mere observation, bare observation. Observation of the reality which is manifesting itself from moment to moment. Now the breath, this is the reality. And you are observing, you are feeling it. You are not supposed to make it a breathing exercise. Never try to control your breath. There's a different technique altogether. We call it pranayam. It has its own benefit. But here, controlling the breath is prohibited. Natural breath. Normal breath. As it comes in naturally, as it goes out naturally. If it is deep, it is deep. Just accept the fact it is deep. If it is shallow, it is shallow. If it passes through left nostril, left nostril, right nostril, right nostril, don't interfere the natural flow of the breath. The exercise is exercise to develop your faculty of awareness, awareness of the truth. Truth, nothing but truth. Mere breath, bare breath, no verbalization. Totally prohibited. No verbalization, no visualization, no imagination, no speculation, philosophical speculation, not, no imposition of any philosophical belief. Nothing doing. It's a pure science of mind and matter. Don't impose anything. Just accept the breath coming in going out, coming in, going out. People who come to take a course of ten days, and it is necessary. If you just want to calm down the mind at the surface level, come out of the daily stress and strain of your life, not necessary ten days. Just observe for some time your breath and any sensation anywhere, or you divert your attention to something else, Whenever you are agitated and there is a lot of stress or strain, you divert your attention to some imagination or something which you feel pleasant and you find you are coming out of your stress. Good. It helps. But Buddha was not interested in that. He wanted you to go to the depth of the mind, the source of misery, the source of tension, the source of all the defilements. Therefore, remain with the truth. Every step on the path, every step that you take is with the awareness of the truth, 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 truth that you experience. Not the truth which the scriptures say, not the truth 
that Buddha has said, or your Guru is saying, nothing doing, what you are experiencing, the truth that you experience from moment to moment, the breath, you are experiencing it. So be with it. So easy. You are sitting at the bank of the river, and the river is flowing. You do nothing for the flow of the river. It's flowing naturally. You are just sitting on the bank and observing the flow of the river. Keep your attention at the entrance of the nostrils, and the flow of respiration is there. Just observe. Do nothing. So easy. Do nothing. No exercise. Not to control the breath. So easy and yet so hard. Some of you must have come for 10-day course. Others who will come, they will find so hard. You will hardly observe one or two breaths and the mind is gone somewhere. And suddenly you realize, oh, I was here to observe the breath. What happened? Again start. Start again. Again the mind wanders. Start again. At times a new meditator gets frustrated, irritated. What sort of mind I am carrying? Such an easy job just to observe the breath coming in, going out, not to control it, not to regulate it, and yet it cannot do that. The guide will say, no, don't get irritated. Don't generate anger. Anger towards yourself or anger towards others makes the same. Makes no difference. It's the same. You come here to come out of all the negativities, all the impurities, the mind is wandered away, so what? Just accept the fact. You are observing the breath, mind is wandered away, you suddenly realize, mind is wandered away, just accept, mind is wandered away. All right, the breath is still there, so I start again, and you start again. Like this one day, two days, three days, the mind gets more and more calm, quiet, tranquil. Because you are working on a very small area, that was the beauty of Buddha's teaching. He says, Uttarottasamajjapadese, the upper lip, the middle part of the upper lip. Keep the attention here. Small area. If you are working with a small area and you are working with nothing but the truth that you are experiencing and you maintain this awareness for a little longer time, even a few minutes, the mind starts becoming sharper and sharper, subtler and subtler, more and more sensitive. Naturally, it happens like that. And then you are fit to experience subtler realities. Again, realities, no imagination. Certain real, subtler realities pertaining to this physical structure. Every step will take you from the gross reality to the subtler, to the subtler, to the subtlest pertaining to the body, subtler, subtler, subtlest pertaining to the mind, and later on a stage will come where you transcend mind and matter and you experience something which is indescribable in words, ultimate truths. But before that, you have to explore the entire field of mind and matter. And while you are exploring it in a proper way, you are coming out of your old habit, old habit of generating impurities in the mind. That means generating misery for yourself, 
and misery for others. So the process keeps on purifying your mind. As you explore the truth from the gross to the subtle, to the subtle, to the subtlest, mind is becoming purer, purer, purer. How? Understand, there is no blind belief. There is no dogma. It's all very scientific. Interaction of mind and matter. Initially you will find even the breath, which apparently looks like a physical function. The lungs are working, so you breathe in, you breathe out. Yes, it is true, but not very true. This is also a mental function. The breath is very strongly related to your mind and more strongly related to your mental impurities. As you keep on observing the breath, observing the breath, the mind starts wandering in the past or in the future. And suddenly you react, react with some negativity, anger, hatred, ego, something, some impurity. And you notice your breath is no more normal, it's not normal now. It loses its normality, becomes slightly hard, slightly fast. And when that impurity has gone away, again the breath becomes normal. Oh, so it becomes very clear. At the experiential level it becomes clear, the breath is strongly related not only to the body but also to the mind and mental impurities. And the enlightened one wanted you to go to the depth where the mental impurities arise. That is why he started with breath, not with any other object. There are many objects which will calm down the mind. The purpose is not to just calm down the mind. The purpose is not to get relieved from the stress and strain of the life. Go to the depth where defilement arises and makes you miserable. So this mind in three days will become sharp enough to feel subtle realities. By the time you reach the fourth day, even at the end of the third day, you start feeling some physical sensation or the other on this part of the body because you are working on a small area. And with the truth, so the mind became sharp and you start feeling some physical sensations, which are always there, throughout the body. Every part of the body has some physical sensation or the other, every moment, every particle, every atom of the body has some sensation or the other. Wherever there is life, there is bound to be a sensation. One is not able to feel, you feel only very gross sensations, like pain, pressure, heat, perspiration, etc. But there are so many subtle sensations, different kinds of sensations, which you never feel. Now with this mind which has become subtle, which has become more sensitive, you start feeling sensations here. Different kinds of sensations. Maybe heat, maybe perspiration, maybe throbbing, pulsing, vibrating, tingling, heaviness, numbness, anything. The technique wants you just observe. As you are observing your breath, just observe, do nothing. Don't look for a particular sensation. It is a choiceless observation, you can't choose sensations. Let the nature play its own role. Let dharma play its own role. Whatever manifests at this moment is the truth for you, pertaining to this part of the body. And you are just observing, just observing, objectively without identifying yourself with the sensation. Sensation as sensation. 
from fourth day onwards you start feeling such sensations from the top of the head to the tips of the toes the entire body some sensation or the other initially some students may not feel sensations on every part of the body some pl- some parts might go blind if you keep on repeating repeating patiently persistently you will notice that every part of the body there is some sensation or the other so what what do you gain by this then slowly we start understanding that these physical sensations are strongly related to the mind also and very strongly related to the mental impurities and are connected with the deepest level of the mind whenever any impurity arises in the mind say anger hatred ill will animosity ego any kind of impurity it manifests itself with the sensation on the body this was a great discovery of the enlightened one he says vedana samosarana sabvidhamma anything that arises in the mind arises with a sensation on the body another reality that he discovered when there is a sensation you react to the sensation if it is pleasant you react with craving clinging if it is unpleasant you react with aversion hatred at the apparent level it looks that when some sensual object comes in contact with the sense door some shape form color light in contact with the eyes a sound in contact with the ear smell in contact with the nose taste contact with the tongue something tangible contact with the body or a thought coming in contact with the mind at the apparent level it looks that i am reacting to that object i like it i generate craving clinging i dislike it i generate aversion hatred this was the teaching in ancient india before buddha and the time of buddha and after buddha also it continued don't get indulged in the sensual objects good teaching wonderful but buddha says no it looks like that it appears to be so but actually you are not reacting to the outside sense object when these objects come in contact with the sense door there is a sensation in the body and if this sensation is pleasant then only you react with craving or clinging if it was unpleasant then you react with aversion or hatred so much importance he gave to the physical sensations because without knowing what is happening at the sensation level one keeps on reacting in the wrong way generating negativity keeps on multiplying the misery and once one starts realizing the truth this sensation is a reason let me see how long it lasts no sensation is eternal it arises to pass away sooner or later every sensation has the same characteristic arising passing away arising passing away oh it is so ephemeral so impermanent so what is the purpose of reacting towards these sensations one starts coming out of the old habit of reacting to these sensations 
And because sensations are felt by the deepest level of the mind, that means you are changing the habit pattern of your mind at the deepest level. Very wonderful discovery of this enlightened person, this super scientist. He found out how misery starts and he found out how to come out of it. People come to courses. I'm a bad alcoholic. I want to come out of alcohol. I tell them, no. You say you are addicted to alcohol. Totally wrong. It appears to be so. You are not addicted to alcohol. You are addicted to the physical sensation, body sensation. When you take alcohol, you feel a particular type of sensation and you like it. And you get addicted to it. You want that sensation again and again and again. You keep on taking alcohol. Buddha gave this wonderful technique. You just observe the sensations objectively. Don't react. Understand its characteristic arising, passing away, arising, passing away. Your addiction towards the sensation goes away. That means your addiction towards alcohol goes away. Your addiction towards drug goes away. Different kinds of addictions we are carrying in our life. People get addicted to anger. There's a habit pattern of anger. Every little thing, undesirable thing happens and you react with anger. Anger, anger, make yourself miserable. When anger arises, and by this technique, if I experience the sensations, I find very unpleasant sensations. Whenever anger, hatred, jealousy, envy, such impurities arise, there's a lot of burning in the body. The whole body starts burning. Strong palpitation, tension. One becomes so miserable. And now one is experiencing what I'm doing. I generate anger or hatred to harm somebody. Somebody misbehaved. So I must generate anger to teach him a lesson. You want to harm somebody. Buddha says before you harm anybody, you are harming yourself. First you harm yourself and then only you harm others. You can't harm anybody without first harming yourself. This is not mere sermon. It becomes so clear, so clear at the experiential level. Every religion says, live a moral life. And what is a moral life? Don't perform any action, physical or local, which will harm other beings, which will disturb the peace and harmony of other beings. This is morality. This is spirituality. The sermons are there. There is no religion in the world which does not give this teaching. Live a moral life. Don't harm others. Don't disturb the peace and harmony of others. Because human being is a social being. We have to live in the society. If we keep on disturbing the peace of the society, how can we live in peace and harmony? A good advice, a good sermon. That means, if I abstain from harming other people by performing unwholesome vocal action or physical action, I'm obliging the society. Look, I'm not harming. I'm not harming people. And Buddha says, no, you're not obliging anybody. You're obliging yourself.
just see inside what is happening whenever you have any immoral action physical or vocal you can't have an immoral action without generating some impurity or the other in the mind you kill somebody how can you kill somebody without generating tremendous amount of anger hatred ill will animosity then will you kill somebody and if you are a good good practitioner of vipassana what i am doing i start harming myself look i become so miserable before harming anybody you start harming yourself i steal something belonging to somebody else how can i steal unless i generate tremendous amount of greed and a good meditator who can experience sensations will immediately see when greed is a reason i lost the balance of my mind i lost the peace of my mind i lost the happiness of my mind oh, what i am doing what i am doing i am harming myself one commits sexual misconduct how can one commit sexual misconduct one has to to generate tremendous amount of passion lust again a good meditator of vipassana i see observer of the truth within we understand look i am losing my peace my harmony i lost the balance of my mind what am i doing you speak lies and try to deceive somebody or you speak harsh words which hurt others you can't do that without generating some impurity or the other you take some intoxicant slowly you become slave of the intoxicant and when one is intoxicated one does not have the wisdom what is good or what is bad we are giving vipassana courses in prisons large number of convicts are there and i have found vast majority of them have committed some crime or the other in the influence of alcohol intoxicant so that is why these five precepts are very good given by every religion but buddha wants you to experience why you should always be careful not to break any precept and as you become more and more sensitive about yourself deep inside you start coming out of it coming out of it at the depth this habit pattern has become so strong when i teach vipassana to the prisoners i tell them you are prisoners I, i can understand your misery you are far away from your house from your comforts of your family the big misery another misery you are not only prisoner behind these walls or behind these bars you are also a prisoner of the unwholesome behavior pattern within you and because of that you keep on suffering this suffering is much more than the suffering that you feel in the prison and this suffering is not only for the people who are in prison whether one is prison or outside the prison everyone is a prisoner of this behavior pattern of generating impurity impurity and becoming miserable without knowing what one is doing without knowing because one has never practiced to go to that depth 
where the defilements, impurities arise and make one miserable. At the surface level, one feels very happy. I am such a rich person. I got all the comforts of the life. I am so happy. Why I should go to the depth of the mind and feel misery? You are feeling misery every moment. Buddha said, like burning charcoals, lot of burning charcoals deep inside, and over that thick layer of ashes, and one remains diluted with these ashes. I got no misery. I got no misery. But when you go to the depth, you find burning, burning, and there is a way to come out of this burning. Then the peace that you experience, is not just the peace where the mind just calms down. You divert your attention to something. You are very agitated. Something undesirable has happened in the life. Well, saints and sages have advised us, just divert the mind. Divert the mind to something else. Some spiritual thoughts, some spiritual chantings. Wonderful. You find I am very peaceful. Look, my misery is gone. But if you go to the depth, you find you are not coming out of your behavior pattern. The unwholesome behavior pattern deep inside keeps on generating. There are sensations throughout the body every moment till the life is there. Either pleasant, unpleasant, due to different reasons. Pleasant, unpleasant. And whenever there is a pleasant sensation, this behavior pattern starts generating craving, clinging, and you lose the balance of your mind. At the depth of the mind, you are a sick person. Unpleasant sensation, you generate aversion, hatred, Again, you're a sick person, very agitated person. If this agitation does not go at the depth of the mind, the real happiness, the real peace is far away, far away. And this can be practiced by anyone. As yoga can be practiced by anyone, physical exercise. So this can be practiced by anyone. Because it is so non-sectarian. The whole technique is so non-sectarian. You are observing your breath. Breath, you can't say Hindu breath or Muslim breath or Christian breath. or Breath is breath, human breath. You are observing it. You are training your mind to remain concentrated, aware of the breath. And as you go deep, you start remaining aware of any impurity arising, anger, hatred, passion, fear, ego. Again, it is universal. The anger is anger. You can't say Hindu anger or Muslim anger or Christian anger. And the sensation that you get at that time, Miserable sensation, also the same with everybody. Whether one is black or white or yellow or brown makes no difference. One is this country or that country makes no difference. This community or that community makes no difference. Human being is human being. Human mind is human mind. Buddha found out a way for the entire human beings to come out of misery. He was not interested in establishing a sect in converting people from one organized religion to another organized religion. Therefore, this tradition also is not interested, not at all interested to convert people from any organized religion to another organized religion. Conversion, of course, is there. Conversion is from misery to happiness. The conversion is from bondage to liberation. The conversion is from cruelty to compassion. All these bad qualities when they pass away, and the mind becomes pure at the depth level, by nature, by nature a pure mind is full of love, compassion, 
goodwill, tolerance. By nature, you won't ever do anything. And whenever the mind becomes impure, you start harming yourself, and not only that, the misery that you are experiencing, you start throwing on others. When I generate anger, I am miserable, but I don't keep this misery to myself. Entire atmosphere around me becomes so tense. Anybody who comes in contact with me at that time becomes miserable. And so also when the mind is pure, full of love, compassion, goodwill, I feel so peace, harmony, happiness within myself. And what I generate is nothing but peace and harmony. The entire atmosphere around me gets filled with peace and harmony. Anybody, however agitated, may come and will start feeling peace and harmony. So the whole process, whole teaching is how to live. How to live peacefully and harmoniously within ourselves and how to generate nothing but peace and harmony for the atmosphere so that others can also live in peace and harmony. And it is for everyone, every human being belonging to any community makes no difference. But one has to work. Mere sermons, mere these discourses, or merely intellectualizing it won't help. You have to experience that deep inside. Look how I am harming myself. Look how I am generating misery for myself. By experience, more and more one experiences the truth of the ignorance. And because of ignorance, generating nothing but misery for myself and misery for others, the behavior pattern starts changing, changing. One starts living a better life, a good life, good for oneself, good for others. I am told that a number of you have already taken Vipassana, Vipassana courses. If so, I would like you to go much deeper. Mere ten days is the beginning. You have to go much deeper. A stage must come where the entire solidity of the body gets dissolved. No more solidity. No imagination. You have to experience. Because ultimately, the whole physical structure is nothing but particles, atomic particles. And this is what he discovered 26 centuries back. He says the whole physical structure around the world is nothing but kalapa. Kalapa means atom. Atom. And this kalapa is also not solid, mere vibration. Sabbo, loko, pakampito, pakampito. Everywhere there is mere vibration, mere mind vibration, body vibration, and that you have to experience within yourself, then you start experiencing outside also. And when that stage arises, you are at the depth of the mind. Then you start changing your behavior pattern at the depth. Otherwise, whatever you do at the surface level, we don't condemn that. Good. At least you get some peace, some harmony, some happiness. Very good. But this technique, which was discovered by Buddha 26 centuries back, worked in India for about six centuries, then got lost, went to different countries. There also, after some time, got lost. One country, neighbor of India, Myanmar, maintained it in pristine purity. As it came from India, so they maintained. Very few people. Others were all involved in rites, rituals, ceremonies, celebrations, and this is what they feel is spirituality. But very few people maintained it, and because they maintained in pristine purity, now, during the last few decades, it has come out of Myanmar and has started helping 
so many people around the world. So those who have not taken the course, I will suggest spare ten days of your life, not to oblige anybody, for your good, for your benefit, or maybe through you, good and benefit of so many others. May all of you enjoy real peace, real happiness within yourself. May all of you generate peace for yourself and for others. Be happy, be happy, be happy. Why does this tradition insist on ten days? <laughs> as, you, as you make instant coffee, instant this, so this spirituality and vipassana also be instant. I came from business community, so I started bargaining with my teacher also when I went first time. Why ten days, sir? I'm a very intelligent person. You teach me and I'll practice at my home. Or one day I stay with you, enough. Or two days or three days, nothing doing. You can't go to the depth of the mind. Therefore, ten days, very essential. At the intellectual level, you understand. Oh, this is the truth, this is the truth. But at the experiential level, it is not possible. And unless you go to the depth of the mind, and which is possible by continuing practice. For so ten days, you are continuing, continuing, and the continuity of the practice is the secret of success. And you must be successful. Don't waste your time by taking one-day course, or two-day course, or three-day course. Take ten-day course. With differences, do you see... What differences do you see when you are Western and Eastern students? What differences? Human being is human being. Whether you are in the West or in the East, when you generate negativity, you are bound to be miserable. Person in the West also gets miserable. In the East also gets miserable. And a way is so simple, you come out of your misery, is applicable to everybody and can be practiced by everybody and is being practiced. There is no religion in the world whose followers are not attending Vipassana courses. Leaders of different religions are attending. Up till now, the Christian priests and nuns, priests and nuns, not the householders, more than 2,000 have already taken courses and every year 100 or 50 they keep coming. Similarly, Hindu yogis, Hindu recluses and Buddhist monks and Jain monks, they all come. They get the same benefit. It is for all. Why is there separation of men and women on courses? No separation? The same teaching for the men and the women? What separation? But segregation is of course for those ten days because you are going to the depth of the mind and at a very deep level. One strong complex is the complex of passion, lust, and by this technique, as you cut open the wound, the pus starts coming out. So when you cut open the depth of the mind, some impurity or the other, say the lust has started coming up, passion has started coming up. So we have to be very careful. The men and women should separately work. After that, whole life you are living together. But for those ten days, it is in your interest that you live separately. How does it work for children? Very good results. We are giving courses for children 
for children just three day courses and just awareness of respiration good enough a seed of dharma is given to them later on when they grow become adult they take ten day courses and we have found many schools where these courses have started very good results are coming the memory of the child becomes strong the capacity to understand the subject in the school becomes better and of course character building from this age character building is there so it's always very good the children must go to children courses what would be the effect of breathing naturally through the mouth those who can't breathe through the nostrils because one reason or the other we say all right start with the breath with the mouth but keep trying keep trying and in day or two the nostril gets opened up why we work with the nostril because the breath from the nostril will touch this area and we want to develop a small area here where you start getting the sensation so don't hesitate if you can't breathe through the breath still come work with the mouth and slowly you will start observing the breath through the nostrils also aversion and desire are quiet and subtle how do they manifest as action this is what you have to see this is what vipassana teaches at a very subtle level at a very deep level like a ripple it starts then it becomes a storm so you must be aware at the origin how it starts and there if you change your habit and you are coming out of it then you are solving all your problems if the root remains unhealthy decaying the tree is bound to remain decaying unhealthy if the root is healthy the tree will also be healthy that is why even at the subtlest level craving and aversion has to be seen but just observe do nothing don't try to push it out you are observing 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 it passes away this is the rule of the nature how do i practice love with a person i have a lifetime history of non love the history of non love keeps you very miserable when you have non love that means you got aversion towards this person and every time you generate aversion you are harming yourself this technique will help you this person might have misbehaved with you in the past but as your mind becomes pure and pure you start generating compassion for this person then you will find the relationship automatically becomes better so many people have come in the courses they have got bad relationship say husband and wife many cases where they are going to the court for divorce because their relationship has become very bitter both have started practicing one course two course three course all the bitterness has gone away and both of them started started generating pure love between each other now there is a case where a couple was fighting for years together and after coming to the course of vipassana they have developed to such a stage that they are today vipassana teachers both of them how much does a meditation course cost <laughs> can you give the course cost it is invaluable what value can be attached to it no value tag can be attached to it it is invaluable it costs nothing even the boarding and lodging no cost everything is free 
but not free still there is cost you have to pay you have to pay 10 valuable days of your invaluable life then only you get it this is the cost <laughs> what will you recommend for a regular daily practice once you take a course of 10 days then like you you learn yoga somewhere and if you don't practice morning and evening then you don't get the benefit of yoga similarly is a mental exercise you learn and then morning and evening you practice and you find the whole behavior pattern your life pattern is changing you start living a better life because you start applying in life merely taking a 10 day course and forgetting it will not give you that result how to practice in my very busy activities with two small children i am a full time mother you need it so much responsibility you have to have love for your children and when you go to the depth of the mind and purify your mind you will find the love is so strong now and so effective so all mothers must practice to live a better life in the family to have a good relation with the children if you are agitated all the time what lesson you are giving to the children they get the vibration of your agitation but if your mind is peaceful the vibration that you give is vibration of peace and harmony so every mother must meditate vipassana is taught with different techniques how are they different from what you teach we are not here to compare and contrast we are not here to condemn any other technique there are people many of them have taken courses with me and started teaching people are getting benefit so why i should condemn but understand if you work only at the surface level of the mind even in vipassana you are just observing your breath you are just observing some sensation here 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 good you get some peace you get some purification but unless you reach the stage which you call bhanga the entire body dissolved mere vibration mere vibration entire mental structure mere vibration mere vibration then you are at the root of your problem and from there the behavior pattern will start changing so whatever benefit you get from these people who are teaching take advantage of that but i would say come for a 10 days and you will find the big difference do you think that vipassana is the only way for liberation any other way which liberates you from the defilements of the mind is good but if it liberates you again at the surface level only then it is not very good you have to go to the depth of the mind to liberate yourself from defilements and to go to the depth of the mind you have to work with the sensations on the body and not merely gross sensations here and there every sensation even the subtlest sensation a stage comes when there is very subtle oscillation the entire mind and matter the structure is just very subtle oscillation you have to reach the stage then you are going to the depth of the mind and there you start changing yourself you call it vipassana you call it anything any name name doesn't matter but you have to go to the depth of the mind and the depth of the mind is constantly in contact with body sensations in regards to no self 
what is it which observes? This is what you will know coming to Vipassana and going deeper. What is this I? Is this physical structure I? Or the mental structure I? Or is there something beyond mind and matter which is I? This is what we have to investigate at experiential level and everything will become so clear when you practice it. Could you talk about value of uh, practice alone compared to practice in groups? The great master of masters, Buddha, he taught people to meditate alone, but he says, Samagganam tapo sukho. When jointly people meditate, it has got wonderful effect. And we are finding that. Sometimes in the courses in large big centers, 700, 800 or 1000 people meditate. That the whole atmosphere is charged with the vibrations of love, compassion, purity. And now a big girl. Pagoda is being built in India. The main reason for that, not for any kind of rites or rituals or anything, eight to ten thousand people will sit there. And the words of Buddha, every word that we have seen is with the experience proved that whatever Buddha says is correct. And these words, samagganang tapo sukho, if you jointly meditate, it gives such a good, deep happiness to the whole atmosphere and to the individual. So joint, joint sitting has got its own value and singular sitting also is valuable. You first train yourself and wherever there is occasion, you join together and meditate. Why is there pain? How does one let it go? <laughs> Accept it, there is pain. So what? If you keep on reacting to this pain, aversion, aversion, hatred, the pain becomes Stronger and stronger, you're not coming out of it. This technique will teach you how to observe, how to observe. And a stage comes, not immediately, but it takes time. A stage comes, even though you've got very solidified, intensified pain, but through that, you feel a flow of vibration, rising, passing, rising, passing. Then pain is no more pain. Some of my students from the West, after a few courses, they start saying, Goenkaji, now I've started enjoying my pain. You start enjoying the pain. When you're aversion, you can't enjoy it. When you're out of aversion, you start enjoying it. Why pursue happiness since it is just another sensation? Happiness or misery are impermanent. Doesn't wanting anything just generate more pain? <laughs> yes what you call happiness, which is happiness pertaining to the sense, sense doors, sensual happiness, impermanent. It comes and goes away. But you go deeper, deeper, deeper. This happiness is changing your habit pattern and you remain happy in every situation. Otherwise you are happy only when things are happening according to your desire. Something undesirable happens and you forget all your happiness. Your happiness is far away from you. Let this happiness last long. And then when you experience something beyond mind and matter, oh, incomparable. The entire field of mind and matter, impermanent, arising, passing, arising, passing. And that stage is nothing arises, nothing passes. 
that happiness cannot be described in words so we use the same word as happiness but when you experience it then you will realize what difference it between the sensual happiness and the happiness which is beyond mind and matter thank you for your presence and teachings thanks ego has taken on such a negative connotation but isn't it more the case that buddha's teachings try to reconcile and understand ego yes understand ego understand ego not merely at the intellectual level understand ego every time when you feel agitated you will notice by vipassana you will notice this agitation this misery is because some impurity has arisen in the mind anger hatred something has arisen in the mind which has made me very agitated you go deeper and you find this this is generated because of ego my ego is so strong i am living such a ego centered life somewhere my ego is hurt when my ego is hurt an impurity arises and i become miserable so this ego has to be understood at the experiential level and more and more you experience it you understand it and you understand how it harms you the old habit pattern passes away passes away and the ego doesn't harm you at all then this ego is not the ego which generates impurity but the stage ultimate stage is quite different which cannot be explained in words when we say egolessness this is totally different but of course every step you have to see that ego is harming me ego centered life is harming me and the ego becomes deflated 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 and more and more it is deflated you find you are happier and happier is it possible to be unprepared for what you find at the depth of the mind yes come with a clean slate slate come unprepared what preparation you will make the first 10 days are the preparation elementary teaching and there you start working 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 then you have to go to much deeper levels so come don't prepare anything and just come and start working <laughs> is all desire bad how can all desire be bad if you are thirsty you want water nothing wrong but if you have attachment attachment to the desire i want water i am thirsty look i don't get water 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 you become a miserable person you want water perfectly all right you try to get water you didn't get it don't cry try some other way try some other way keep the mind balanced and all the natural desires have to be fulfilled nothing wrong in that but when you get attached then of course it generates misery nothing but misery please tell us about the history of this practice when it was almost lost <laughs> long history <laughs> after buddha about uh, 270 years after that a great emperor of the world of the humanity emperor ashoka he first practiced it and reached a very deep stage and out of love and compassion he started this to spread in the whole population of india large number of people started getting benefit then it was sent to neighboring countries and many other countries but after about 5 or 600 years 
people started mixing something or the other. This technique has to be kept in its pristine purity. The moment you start imposing something on that, whatever is imposed will become more prominent and you will forget the technique. This is what happened in India. People from different sects, they wanted to put their own thing, own sectarian belief or sectarian practice along with Vipassana. We are practicing Vipassana, but also this, also this, that also this, also this becomes more important and Vipassana got lost. This is how it was lost in India. Different other countries also it got polluted, but as I said, only one country, the neighboring, neighboring of India, Myanmar, they maintained its pristine purity. And I was fortunate, I was born in that country. I came in contact with this technique with a saintly person and I was so very much benefited and that is why I want to share my peace and harmony with others. By focusing on our breath, our truth and our sensation, is it possible to release our intense physical pain? Do we do anything differently to heal this pain? When you have pain, it's a physical pain. But when you make it mental pain also, the pain becomes double. Or may many more times. So let the mental pain go away. There is pain. And what you have to do, if you have to go to a doctor, go to a doctor. We are not against doctors. We don't want all the business of doctors to stop. Go to the doctor. But in this technique, you will find more and more you are equanimous, more and more you are equanimous, the pain becomes less, less, you are able to face the pain. If it is something which has damaged your body, then of course you have to take help of the, of the doctor, nothing wrong. But even then, if your mind is equanimous, balanced, whatever treatment is given will be more effective. If your mind is agitated, all the time worried, all the time crying, I've got pain, I've got pain, then whatever treatment is given, it will take long time. So equanimity will help you in every situation. The Buddha gave many techniques which one has, which one, which was he using when he was enlightened. Yes, but every technique that he gave brings you to be Pashana. Starting point, in some cases, one cannot just observe the breath. Then he will give, all right, somebody is, say, very much involved in in sexual activities. So you will ask this person, go to a cemetery where dead bodies are lying there, just observe them. It's outside object, but truth. And observing them, observing them, oh, same type of body I am having, which starts decaying after death, same body others are having, decaying after death, just to make the mind settled, and then you start. The same vipassana, like this, starting points are given to people, different people, with different backgrounds, different mentalities. But actual practice is the same. Has this technique made a difference to world leaders and CEOs you have talked to and taught them? Well, well, world leaders are welcome. Let them come and practice Vipassana and a change will come. Definitely it will come. And if the leaders are changed, the whole world will change. Because everything percolates, good or bad, from the top and goes down to the bottom. A number of political leaders are coming, very few. But large number of business executives and large number of government executives, administrators, they are coming in large number. And we find a big change in them. 
and those politicians who have taken courses, a big change has come. At present, there are about six ministers in the Maharashtra state government. There is one in the central government. And many are member of parliaments and member of legislative assembly. And a change definitely coming in those individuals. And more and more it spreads. More and more change will come in the whole society. There is separation of men and women because of lust at courses. How does this relate to meditators who are homosexual? Any sexual, homosexual or any sexual, sexual is sexual. You come out of your... The whole technique is don't become a slave of sexuality. You have to come out of passion. And at the deep level, this passion, the lust is so deep, you have to take it out. So take it out and this technique will help you. How does this meditation connect with engagement, engagement with social ills? Does one become less egocentric? Yes, one becomes less egocentric. And yet, if one is less egocentric, then all your behavior or dealing with the society, you come across people who are very miserable because of this impurity or that impurity. You don't have aversion towards them. You have nothing but compassion. Compassion. And your compassion will help these people to come out of misery. They will get attracted towards you. When you aversion towards them, they also aversion towards you. Aversion brings nothing but aversion. Anger brings nothing but anger. So a change starts coming in the society also. The misery is an illusion. Why is it important to be free of it? Because you should be free of illusion. Why do you want to remain in illusion all the time? Come out of illusions and delusions. Be with the truth as it is and you will find you are a happier person. In every thought, actual and impurity compared to actual peace. And if so, what is the place of material world for the seeker of peace? The seeker of peace, not necessary to run away from the material world. Householder especially, your responsibility to look after the welfare of the members of your family, look after the welfare of the society, but before helping others and helping the society, you have to help yourself. Unless you live a better life and happier life, how can you help anybody else? So the material world remains as material world. But if I change, my life changes into a spiritual life, I start helping others, I start influencing others, and more and more people come on the path, remaining in the material world, doing, taking all responsibilities of the life, not running away from the responsibility and yet living a good life, ideal life. How does this process enable you to handle external negativity that you have no control over? Yes, you have no control over the negativity of others, but you must have control over the negativity of yourself. You can't change others, but you can certainly change yourself. And once you have changed yourself, you will find the influence of this change starts permeating in the atmosphere outside. Your dealings with the people start changing and that helps people to come to the path. When I meditate, my intention is no mind. Why sharpen the mind? If you really reach the stage where there is no mind, you won't ask this question to me. That shows 
That shows you not reach that stage, only intellectual game doesn't help. Will you speak again about how through meditation impurities are cleaned at a deep level? Because there are sensations in the body, that is what Buddha found. Everything that arises in the mind arises sensation on the body. And whatever arises in the body, the mind starts reacting to it. Outside things that have happened, I feel I am reacting to the outside things. Somebody has misbehaved, somebody has insulted, I generate anger, and I am miserable. I feel I am miserable because this, this fellow has misbehaved. But when I go inside, I find I am miserable because I have generated anger, and that is why I am miserable. Going deeper, you will find, every time you generate any negativity, there is a secretion. A secretion in the blood veins of some kind of biochemical, which is very unpleasant. The secretion may be glandular, non-glandular, but it starts immediately. As soon as you generate anger, hatred, anything, there is a secretion. And it is so unpleasant, now you start generating anger because of this unpleasant sensation. This unpleasant sensation came because of your anger. And because you start again anger, anger, unpleasant sensation, unpleasant sensation, anger, a vicious circle starts. And you keep on remaining in anger and misery hours together. The same thing for passion, same thing for fear, same thing for depression. Any impurity that comes, comes with a sensation on the body and that sensation is related to that particular impurity and there is a vicious circle now starts. One starts helping the other to grow, grow, grow and the misery keeps on growing. Instead of reacting to that, if you learn how to observe it, you're not reacting. So the habit pattern of reacting to this sensation becomes weaker, weaker. That means your misery becomes weaker, weaker, weaker. This is how you come out of your impurities. Any impurity will make your mind unbalanced. You lose the balance of the mind. You lose the peace of the mind. You will be an unhappy person. And any purity that you gain by this technique will make you happier, more, more and more happier, more and more peaceful, more and more calm, tranquil, your behavior pattern will start changing. So practice and actually experience it, that alone will help you. May all of you enjoy, enjoy the best fruits of dharma, best fruits of vipassana. Take ten days of your life and experience the truth within. May all of you be happy, be peaceful, be liberated from all the miseries, all the miseries.